This episode of the Tokunet podcast is sponsored by Tokulectables and CS Toys Japan. If you would like to hear your name or business at the beginning of the podcast, go to patreon.com forward slash the Tokunet or tokusatsunetwork.com forward slash sponsor. Hello and welcome to another episode of the Tokenet Podcast. This is episode 69. Nice. nice. Of the podcast. And I'm one of your hosts, Yasin, and I'm joined by Josh. Hi, everybody. And Kevin. Hello, hello. How's everybody doing today? Uh, good. Finally got a day off. Happy to be talking about some shows, I, a lot of which I haven't seen in quite some time, admittedly. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, same, same, same. How about you, Kevin? Yeah, it's really hot in Japan. Typical Japanese summer. Man, I feel bad for all those people uh, competing in the Olympics right oh, now. Oh, goodness. Dude. I've been seeing like some stuff on Twitter about athletes uh, uh, being very surprised, let's say, by the humidity over here. <laughs> uh, yeah, I remember a few years ago, like there was such a heat wave that there was just a a widespread like a bunch of people just had heat strokes oh yeah two years ago was really really bad yeah there's been more than a few this summer right uh cases of heat stroke uh i haven't seen that so much in the i haven't really noticed it in the news because covid's sort of been dominating but yeah uh-huh. i i imagine it's been pretty bad too like i avoid going out uh same here dude because yeah it's I mean, I, I live in Georgia, so it's always hot <laughs> this time of year. But I know that the north uh, northwest of the country has got hit really hard with a heat wave a few weeks yeah. ago. And yeah, it's it's pretty bad. So yeah, listeners, stay safe, stay hydrated. Stay cool. Stay cool. And get vaccinated. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, but today, what we will be talking about uh, we're going to talk about uh, something that, you know, I feel like most people talk about a few shows of this category, but we wanted to kind of talk about uh, late night tokusatsu shows, uh, shows that come out, you know. After midnight. After midnight, stuff like that. Because um, there's been quite a few. Um, and we kind of just wanted to just, you know, chat about them, uh, what, what the differences are between, you know, these kind of shows and, you know, your typical Toei, Tsuburaya type of uh, morning mm-hmm. children's shows kind of thing. Uh, I guess to start, uh, how did you guys find out about this genre of shows and like, or this category of, of tokusatsu shows and like, what was your first show that you saw? And I guess people, if they don't know, it's like shows that are like, you know, Garo, Comrade Amazons, Bioplanet Woo, Ultra 7X, those type of shows. Well, I think uh, definitely like a lot of people, uh, at least that I've spoken to, uh, the first one that I ran into was Garo. Mm-hmm. Uh, generally, mm-hmm. the way that worked is I had gotten into Tokusatsu. I was into it for about, uh, I want to say almost a full year, you know, just watching Kamen Rider and Super Sentai. Yeah. And, you know, during that drought where Ultraman wasn't around. And it was about a year after the fact from when it aired, but I found out about Garo. And the whole way I found out about it was, you know, getting into Tokusatsu, 
you try and buy merchandise. And so in looking around on eBay, you'll see a lot of bootleg DVDs of series, but you'll also <laughs> see some that are mislabeled. So I kept mm. seeing this one come up in my searches for Masked Rider Garo. Really? <laughs> and, and if you look, there's still some out there. And if you look, if you know enough and you're teaching yourself, you realize, well, that's not a series. I mean, obviously this is a thing, but I have no idea what it is. And the the one I ended up watching first, I, I didn't get that far. It was right after uh, Beast of the White Knight had first debuted. or mm. First, first been, movie. Okay, yeah, yeah. Uh, first come out. And I watched the first five minutes of it, which is just this opening, you know, he's on a flaming car and he puts on the armor and there's all this wire work and kung fu. And I'm like, oh, my God, this looks amazing. What is this? <laughs> but it feels like I'm being dropped into the middle of the story. What happened here? And right. then I realized, oh, crap, I'm watching the movie that's come out after the series. I need to run back and watch the series. Mm. And then I learned about the advertising. I learned about what kind of show it was. Uh, the claim to fame that I always bring up is that if you want to get anybody into Garo, just tell people in the first five minutes, you get boobs. <laughs> just uncensored uh, boobs. I feel like you could sell that show more than that. <laughs> of course, there's a lot more to the show than that, but um, for some people, that's that's a good enough intro. <laughs> and then you realize, uh, really having gotten older, everybody who was really happy with that power slash rangers or Ugh. any youtube video of oh this is power rangers but dark it's like why are you guys not watching this section this is literally for you guys because it's all of these series that you grew up liking as kids but made for an older audience like mm -hmm. ultra 7x like cutie honey the live uh amazons this is literally that you don't have to take those characters and move them in a different direction they were never meant to go there's already a thing for that right right, right. yeah yeah i think i think garo was my first late night toku show as well um mm -hmm. very similar to josh i hadn't really been into you know the fandom that long but um i was also running a panel uh after my first year in toku at a convention and i wanted to talk about no, things other than Power Rangers, Kamen Rider, Ultraman. And in my research, I found stuff like Garo. Um, it's like, wow, this suit is super shiny, super detailed. What the heck is this show? And, you know, go down that rabbit hole and it's just really dark, but, mm -hmm. um, but also very, like, very much like Ultraman. You know, there's a sense of hope in it as well that really appealed to me when I started watching Garo. Right. And after that, I just, you know, did more digging around, found other shows. Yeah. Um, actually, my first one was actually Shibuya 15. Really? Mm, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Because um, it was also in that first, like, year or two of, to like, getting into Tokusatsu when you're, like, like we said before, that first couple of years, you're absorbing as much content as you can find. And right, right. I remember I had seen a few, I had seen like a couple of uh, Sentai shows. I've seen a couple of Kamen Rider shows. I hadn't gotten into Gar uh, into Ultraman yet. And mm. I remember people talking about a few shows around the time. I mean, Garo was a name that was thrown around. But um, as we'll talk about, you know, later on, you know, a lot of these late night Tokusatsu shows are, you know, usually sci-fi horror themed. Yeah. Right. They have that kind of element to it. 
And for me, I'm not really much of a horror guy. So when I heard about Garo, I was like, looks cool, but uh, you know what? I'll hold off on it. <laughs> but then I went in, but then I went into Shibuya 15. I was like, well, this kind of messes me up a bit. Too. <laughs> um, <laughs> but that show was pretty fun because it was just, I, it was one of those things where I, just, I didn't know what I was getting into. Mm-hmm. And I didn't know what kind of show it was. And I was like, and you know, as a, Tokus, a new Tokusatsu fan, you have a set image of what Tokusatsu is. And then you get into right. a show like that. And it just completely shatters that image. Not shatters it in a bad way, but it's like, it breaks the ceiling of like what Tokusatsu can kind of encompass. Sure. What types of shows you can have in that genre. So, yeah, I remember watching Should Be a 15. I was like, by the end of it, I liked it. It wasn't great, but I had a lot of fun with it. And also, that was the first time I know a lot of people have uh, been introduced to like uh, Mark Musashi through Garo, but that was actually the first time I saw him was in. I was actually going to come. I was going to say that's a thing that I've noticed with all of these shows is that no matter based <laughs> off the list that we've made here, you can kind of tell which show is an after midnight show if Mark Musashi is in it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, because he was in. Yeah, he was in Shibuya 15. He was in uh, Garo. Obviously, he was in. Uh, uh, Cutie Honey, Cutie the, Honey live. the Live. Was he in any any of the other ones? I don't because I, I don't think, think he was so. in. He wasn't in Lion Maru. No, that was before. Lion Maru was interesting because, you know, I at the time I didn't know what Lion Maru was, and then uh, Kaylin introduced me to it, and then I realized, oh, Lion Maru was this older series in the seventies, yeah. which is really kind of cheesy. And then you realize, watching this one, what the G stands for. The G stands for Gigolo. And it's like, oh, well, we're going <laughs> in a completely different direction now. Okay, let's let's see how this works out. And it somehow, it ends up being its own comedic take on the idea, but mm-hmm. still being really enjoyable. Mm-hmm. I need to watch that show again. Uh, yeah. that was, I think that was, I also watched that before I watched Gara. <laughs> So that was a weird left turn for me. The other interesting thing I wanted to point out um, that I think we'll probably go back to later is the number of actors I've recognized in a lot of these shows just mm-hmm. from other things. Um, yeah. Like Lion Marge, for example, it's the it's the lead, right? To later play Sid in Guy? Yes. Yeah, yep. that's him. Yeah. And then yeah. he's also in uh, a two-parter there on Deno. Yeah. Oh, really? Early episodes. So, yeah. yeah. He's a, he's kind of everywhere. I mean, I remember I, uh, because if you watched listen to a previous episode, we start we talked about uh, Tokusatsu Otaku, or like we talked about Otaku and being a Tokusatsu Otaku, and we mentioned Densha Toko. Yeah, yes. and I hadn't seen it. So then after we recorded that, I start I watched the whole series, and <laughs> he's oh in my that. God, it's such a good series. It really is, man. I I definitely cried during that. Um, but oh, he's yeah. also in that. Oh really? Huh. He's he's one of the people on the computer t- in the forum. Okay. Yes. Oh, that's right. I completely forgot. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, it's like the other thing you look at it, like the first time I saw Densho Otoko, I watched Densho Otoko before I got into Tokusatsu. Mm-hmm. Right. So in that first episode, I completely missed the shocker reference. And then <laughs> yeah, 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 as I was yeah. wont to do, I went back and watched it years later after getting into Tokusatsu, and then I got all of these other jokes. Not only that, I started recognizing members of the cast, like, oh, you were in this, and you were yeah. in this, and, like, it all comes together. 
Yeah, 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 yeah. For sure. Um, so, yeah, I guess uh, something that we can talk about is uh, what makes these type of shows, like, appealing to adults? Straight up, I think it's the violence. They, <laughs> oh, yeah. The bulk of these shows... Uh, if if you're if you're a Sunday morning hero show, you're more likely to back away from okay, maybe you'll use a little bit of a blood capsule on the edge of your mouth here and there. Yeah. The bulk of these shows do not shy away from like getting gutted in the stomach mm-hmm. or run through or very superfluous blood splatter. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um other than that, other um other things are like uh just yeah, you know, going off that, just the content in general. Um just things that you wouldn't see in your standard Common Rider Ultraman, you know, weekend morning show. Uh, we mentioned the uh, boobs in Garo. So, like, uh-huh. eroticism is something that you won't see um, outside of the late night shows either. Uh, also, going, you know, what you mentioned today is like hor- horror and stuff. Uh, Shippuya 15 is pretty darn dark in its first episode. I, I think the other thing about it, too, you know, being the adult shows, I think it's these shows, really all of them, well, with with one or two exceptions, uh, the bulk of them don't have a problem with admitting that being aroused or being just straight up horny is a motivation that a character can have. Mm-hmm. Y- yeah, yeah. <laughs> like, you see it, you see it really hard in Lion Maru, you see it in Yoshihiko, Cutie Honey, uh... You can actually admit a character had sex. That's fine in these shows. Mm-hmm. Happened in Garo. Oh yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, I think yeah. Heart, a big part of it. Like one thing for me that I really like about it is that I love the action in these shows. They're so sure. much more visceral, and you know, I don't necessarily need it to be graphic. Like I don't need to. I don't necessarily need it to be super bloody and everything like that but mm-hmm. they're able to do a lot more like bone crunching hits and stuff like that than they you can in like sentai or common rider yeah i think it's the difference between like like say over here when we say something is really bad i like like i think of it in terms of like the worst thing it could possibly be is like a trauma movie like toxic avenger we're not talking that end we're talking about like a really good fight demo reel there just happens to be more than a normal amount of blood. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, so at least over in Japan, uh, what would be considered late night tokusatsu would be just like, like sci-fi horror stuff. Mm-hmm. Not, necessarily, not necessarily hero programming um, like we have now, but that started getting more and more popular. So that's why we have you know, stuff like Garo mm-hmm. and um, Amazons nowadays. Yeah. And I, um, I've, you said something about it uh, off air that you said that it's also shows that couldn't get sponsorships, I guess. Um, or just just like just because of content, it's hard to get sponsors, and if it's hard to get mm. sponsors, it's hard to put it in. It's hard to put it in a um, a like prime time slot kind of thing. Yeah, that's true. That's true. Like you know, for like for like any of the two way programs, you have like. Bandai supporting it, or like TV Asahi, the TV station itself supporting the show, right? And you know, you're paying the money to give it that, you know, that good time slot. Mm-hmm. The the only ones that kind of stick out to me are the ones that are a little more, uh, not so much toy centric, but the ones that 
are coming out of a place that had a really good buddy-buddy relationship with Bondi. Like, uh, looking at the list here, Girl Gun Lady yeah. mm-hmm. tried to position itself as a midnight show, but having sat through all 13 episodes, it's very, very tame compared to all these other ones on the list. I mean, it's definitely, it's definitely like, Girl Gun Lady is definitely not on the graphic end of things, but... Um, I mean, there is there is plenty, not plenty, I should say. There is a fair amount of blood in the series. Yeah, but it's kind of hard when you put it together with. Okay, I get that this girl is bleeding from having been shot by this other girl, but just you can tell that the money went toward marketing these uh, these model kits for the weapons <laughs> they're using in the series, and they didn't put any money towards. You have not taught any of these actresses how to hold a weapon properly. Wow. <laughs> yeah. Wow. <laughs> I mean, there, there's so much I can turn my brain off to, obviously, because I'm a fan of a lot of these shows. But at a certain point, you got to be like, come on, try. Try, <laughs> yeah. please. Yeah. No, I, no Grogan Lady, that's, I think part of its slot is just the, the content itself, not necessarily the visuals. But admittedly, you're you're right about the, the sci-fi thing. As the series progressed on that one, it very hard went in the direction of sci-fi, like almost like a Twilight Zone episode. Yeah. Which is kind of like what Shibuya 15 and Ultra 7X feel like, is they feel like mm-hmm. really long uh, Twilight Zone or Outer Limits episodes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I definitely got that feel. I haven't seen all of Ultra 7X, but I definitely got that feel from it, from what I've seen. I mean, like, Ultra 7X as a whole didn't feel all that adult. It just felt like a more brooding Ultraman series. Yeah. Well, I guess that's another, like, characteristic. It's like it's not... Uh, for, like, late night tokusatsu, it's like it... The mood is different for a lot of these shows. Yeah, like, it's about, like, Garo and Ultra 7X. They're much dark... In uh, CB15, they're much darker shows. Mm-hmm. Both, like, theme-wise and literally. <laughs> <laughs> well, I was... <laughs> like the I've 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 watched the first episode of Ultra Seven X a few times and man I have to bump up the like brightness. contrast or like the brightness on my <laughs> screen because like this so dark it is really hard to watch I, I guess that's part of it because like Ultra Seven Shibuya Fifteen Garo uh, for the most part there's a lot or even Kampai Senshi uh, after five all of those are like night shoots which you yeah. don't see yeah. a lot of in in regular Tokusatsu. I mean, it's something that I've always, I always want more of in regular Tokusatsu. Like, I, I love, like, episodes where they, like, fight at night. Like, seeing, mm-hmm. like, Sentai suits at night is just so nice. It's so good. It just hits differently. Yeah. It feels, it, yeah, it pops. Oddly enough, it does pop because they use, like, those big floodlights or whatever. It uh-huh. just makes the colors on the, the, it makes the shine on the spandex pop a lot more. But it just, mm-hmm. yeah. yeah. I don't know. And it always looks cool because then, especially like back before, you know, before we had a lot of CG effects for like sparks and stuff, like having a night fight and have like pyrotechnics come off of like hits and stuff. Oh, sure. Really nice. It's like fireworks. Yeah. Like I, I always remember, I think it was the second episode of Deno where they fight at night. Yeah. And he's wailing right. on that. Yeah. He's wailing yeah. on that Imagine. And it just sparks flying, pop, 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 and it's so bright. It's nice. I don't know. So yeah, it's a fireworks effect. You just like, ooh, pretty lights, and <laughs> you get distracted. That's one of the things that I think appeals to a lot of people in Tokusatsu is the spectacle, and yeah. just putting that spectacle 
in a time where, you know, of course you'll see somebody like, uh, I don't know, whatever Sentai you've got, you know, the, the Tokyujers or Exade, whoever fighting during the daytime because they're, you know, they're bright and cheerful and whatnot. But seeing those same colors at night against, yeah. you know, the backdrop of a city or, you know, getting down and dirty in an alley, it, it brings a whole nother level of uh, appreciation to it. Just seeing oh, it definitely. in a different space. Right. And then when you couple that with like the the mood of the shows that we're talking about, like it lends itself a lot to like, you know, nighttime scenarios and stuff like that. And also, I guess it, it makes sense when, you know, they people are watching this, you know, at midnight or whatever, after midnight. It's like, okay, mm-hmm. they're watching it at night. Might as well make it like a nightly show. Even though like a lot of these shows don't always, you know, they're not always at night, but it's just right. like kind of a majority kind of thing. Like, I always find it weird when I watch an episode of Garo and it's during the day. I'm like, huh. <laughs> yeah, that's weird. It's like, that jacket <laughs> is really bright. Yeah, you're gonna be like, he never finished forms during the day, but you know. Well, I think it was the weird thing about part two of uh, Beast of the White Knight when they're fighting in a forest in the daytime. Oh, yes, right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. That's true. Um, I always forget that Akiba Ranger, is that technically a late night show? But it feels like one. I looked up the time slot. It aired late night. Okay, because I mean... It's, it's 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 more on the raunchier side uh, as far as it is. Know, parody and, and humor. So right, and it is and it is technically like it is it's technically a parody of Sensei, right? It's officially sanctioned parody. It's, right, offic- right. it's officially unofficial. Right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but that that show is an example of like Toei like sort of putting their hand in that as far as like was that their I guess that would be their first late night Toku then, right? Oh, not, no, um, Shibuya 15. Well. Was that Toei? Was that Toei? It's on the Toei Tokusatsu fan club application, yeah. Isn't it, isn't wow. the media library? Really? Yeah. I wonder if that was, man, I, I had no idea. Okay, never mind then. I mean, I don't know if the Toei Tokusatsu fan club library is the best, um, best indicator of what was Toei and what was not, but. I mean, Shibuya 15 also had uh, Yuri Ahaga in it, who was, who was a Marty from Vice. Yep. And you also had um, Tomohisa Yuge, who played Goro and Ryuki in that show as well. Oh, right. But he gets around a lot, though. Well, yeah. <laughs> I mean, so does Yuri Ahaga. Like, we see her again in Kiva years later. Y- Yuri Ahaga is one of those actresses who uh, she's done more than her share of different, you know, she's done several tokusatsu, but then she's done a lot of also more definitely adult-themed movies, uh, kind of showing, branching out from, okay, yeah, I've done the the kids' stuff, but I can also do other stuff that's definitely a lot more graphic Mm -hmm. um, down the road. Yeah, that's natural, I mean, you know, especially if if they want to, they want to, their work to mature with them, then yeah. That makes sense. Yeah. Which is kind of the thing I like about Akiba Ranger in that that's Toei acknowledging, you know, especially with anniversary series, even this year with Zenkaichu, like we have an audience that has grown with us, but Akiba mm-hmm. Ranger was them admitting we have an audience that has grown up with right. us. So mm-hmm. we should make some jokes for them too. And they really go in on those jokes. Like stuff that 
you don't you don't you won't know unless you're like a hardcore like sentai. yeah unless unless you're deep into um you know sentai knowledge all things would be like i get it but isn't hit the same way yeah i feel like even if i if i watched it now i feel like there would still be some things that i'm just like i didn't know or get yeah it just hits different yeah yeah no, like first episode oh my gosh this 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 robot is expensively cheap <laughs> yeah oh man i remember the was it season two that had the die ranger stuff yes i think so yeah oh man i like, couldn't believe they actually went with that i was like oh man so uh since we've done since, since we've done a lot of name dropping how about we you know go a little bit more into some of these shows okay um I mean, the one that most people talk about when they talk about this is Gara, so we can talk about that a bit. Which, by the way, I'm, I'm kind of surprised we haven't really done a, an episode on the podcast about Gara. We've done an episode. Have we? Yeah, I, I was on that one. <laughs> I have such a bad memory. Maybe I'll cut that out. <laughs> it's all good. It's all yes, good. definitely listen to our podcast. Listen to our, Maybe I should listen to our podcast, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, so Garo was created by uh, one Keita Amamiya. Uh, Keita Amamiya has been working with Toku for a long time, actually. Since the 80s, yeah. I think I think yeah. since the 80s? Yeah. Yeah. I'm trying to remember, what, what was the movies he worked on? It was... Uh, he worked on Kamen Rider Z-O. Z-O. Uh, he Z-O, had his own right? two movies before that. Uh, Zadam. Those oh, are good ones to watch. I love Zadam. So good. Like not not to get off the topic, but when I looked at the <laughs> suit uh, that the one character wears there in Shibuya Fifteen, I got very big Zerum vibes off that. Oh, see, I didn't watch Zerum until last year, so. But you yeah. get what I'm talking about, right? Yeah, 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 yeah. Man, yeah. Um, he also worked on uh, Jetman. Yes, I believe he directed some of that. I believe. Uh, Jetman, he was the director and character designer for Veronica. Oh, specifically Veronica. Yeah. He didn't do any of the monster designs? He only... That's the one I see him credited with, specifically. Okay, because, man, a lot of those monster designs, I'm like, man, that's gotta be a Amamiya thing, but probably not. He, uh, he created Jibon. Oh. He was character designer for Winspector. Uh, really? He did two episodes of uh, Jew Ranger. Mm-hmm. Uh, directed on Spielbond. So he, he's in it. You know, he's done Toku. That is his thing. Like, Tokusatsu is his thing. The other thing I think he's known for more than just uh, Zeto and aside from Garo is that he directed Hakaider. Yeah, did he directed Hakaider, yeah. Huh. Yeah, and he also did uh, Mikazuchi, Mikazuki, about the show? Tekoki Mikazuki, yeah. That was Yeah, him. yeah. Yeah, so uh, he's, he's done he's done Tokusatsu. For... Yeah, but this was like his property, like start to finish. Yeah, no, his... Garo, yeah he, he moved on from like working on like small projects to creating his own franchise. And yeah, like I, I, like I believe we've said in the <laughs> Garo podcast, which... I will definitely re-listen to it at some point. Uh, <laughs> he, like, that was a show that was like, it felt like it was a one and done. 
like they had this, the original season. They did the Beast of the White Knight. They did the Garo Gaiden, uh, you know, TV right. special uh, with Mark Musashi being crazy, which was awesome. And <laughs> oh yeah, yeah. And then for a long time, that was it. Like we didn't see anything from it. Yeah, it was. It was the. It was the. The thing that. Yeah, like you've seen that meme that goes around sometimes of uh, somebody in the hospital. Like I was in a coma for like three years, and then I sent this picture to my uh, my son. I lived. <laughs> <laughs> like that's the way Garo fans feel. Of like, it's like man, it was this really good twenty five episode series. It's these two specials, and then there was nothing for a real long time. And then Red Requiem came out, yep. and then we got season two, and then it just keeps going and going and going. It's like. Finally, Garo fans are being fed, <laughs> and it branched out too. Like it did, they did movies, they did shows, they did spinoff shows, they did anime. Yeah, so it's it's gotten around. It's been really cool. It has, yeah. Um, also, Garo does have a uh, English subtitled uh, DVD release. Blu-ray, Blu-ray, Blu-ray. Okay, sorry. Yeah, yeah. It, it's the first two seasons, Red Requiem. Uh, Beast of the White Knight, uh, Kiba. Kiba Gaiden. Kiba Gaiden, yeah. And that's it right now. So, uh, well, I mean, still, great place to start. Yeah, and it also, I mean, if you want to try the anime, that there's also the, the anime Blu-rays. Yeah, I thought those are on Funimation. Yes, all streaming on Funimation, all of those are available. Yep. The first one complements the original series the most, Mm-hmm. And your mild will vary on the other two seasons. Yeah, yeah. I've seen parts of the first season, and I tried to watch the third one, and I couldn't get into it. Second season <sighs> is very, very weird. The second season is incredibly dry. Like for a show that's supposed to be all about flash and showing off the best uh, technical abilities that you have, just it's just the driest story. I remember. Specifically, when it was airing, uh, Anime News Network was doing write-ups of that season's anime going forward, and I don't think they even made it past episode 8 before the writer of those articles was like, look, I can't keep watching this series, it's just too boring. I I gotta stop. And I'm like, good on you, man, I stopped like five episodes ago, I can't, and I I like the franchise, and I can't do it. I I ended up watching the whole thing out of curiosity, and was like, I don't know what's going on. Well, I'll be February uh, 26, 2019, episode 42 of the podcast. We did an intro to Gara. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Dang it. Man, my memory is garbage. <laughs> it's all good. It's all good. So if any of you are interested, check out that episode. <laughs> 42, huh? And I was on that, too. Dang. <laughs> <laughs> okay, that's worse if you were on it and don't remember. <laughs> Yes, he's a busy, busy person. He has other things to worry about. I know, I know. I keep, I keep. <laughs> We're all busy. I just have a bad memory. <laughs> but um, uh, yeah. I mean, I I don't know. Garo is kind of. It's a bad pun, but it's kind of the gold standard for like. But um, I I groan, but you're not wrong at all. <laughs> That was well played, sir. Well played. <laughs> thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. I'll be here all week. Or until <laughs> yes. the next episode. Until um, next week. But yeah, I, I, I've, 
I find Garo like very entertaining. Uh, it's it's got a good cross section of all the things that mm-hmm. I imagine people would want out of a show like that. If you like the concept of the transforming hero, mm-hmm. but you want it in a darker, more brooding adult setting with very good action. Those suit designs? Oh, oh. God. Yeah. Like, the whole reason I started playing Final Fantasy fourteen was when they had the crossover <laughs> between the Garo suits and fourteen. That is the only wait, reason wait, I started. Wait, 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 whoa, 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 whoa. Hold on, hold yeah. on, hold on. You didn't know about this? There was a collaboration no. where you could get armor that was based off of the Garo designs. What? Yeah, and it stopped running two years ago. Nah. And I didn't get... I wasn't high level enough to get to where you could possibly get the armor. You could get Garo, Zero, uh, Dan. You could be uh, a Makai priest or priestess. It was... Oh, God. Was it a like, Japanese-only thing, or was it like... No, no, you could no, have no, done no, it no, here no. in the States. Man. It was everywhere. Yes, I, I didn't even play Final Fantasy fourteen, but I knew about this. I'm not even a Final Fantasy fan, but I would have done that. <laughs> I, I have since become a fan. <laughs> I, I have... Uh, I don't want to get into that. <laughs> well, wait, that, that, that. We'll talk about games on another episode. Yeah. <laughs> but anyway, so, yeah, Gara's really, really big. Kid on me, uh, you know, does a bunch of stuff. Um, branching off of that, one of his uh, sideshows that he did was Shogeki Go Raigan. Hmm. Yeah. Very similar if Garo was too similar, I mean, not too similar, if Garo was too serious and you wanted something more jokey. Yeah, Go Raigan was specifically designed to be a comedy series. Yeah, yeah. I've only seen the first episode of this one because it was, it was kind of hard to get at the time. Sure. So I only saw the first episode and I remember being pretty, I was taken aback by it, I think. I think <laughs> I didn't, I read about it, but I didn't really like pay attention to it. So I was like, oh, Keita Mamiya, another show. Cool. And it had, I think it, it had Toshiki Inoue working on it as well. Yes. He was a writer on it. Yes. So I was like, oh, this is going to be like, mid-2000s Kaya Tokusatsu. Oops. And I guess in a way it kind of is, but it's just a lot more humorous. I felt like a lot of what the appeal of Shogeki Goraigon was, was if you liked uh, if you liked the Imogen from Deno, mm-hmm. but you wanted mm-hmm. them to be even dumber. <laughs> <laughs> and be not on a train but in somebody's house <laughs> that's where you get the show yeah yeah oh man also slightly, slightly tangential um i was really surprised to see uh yua shinkawa play the heroine for that show because i've seen her in a lot of other things um after that yeah it's like she's like, like she's a decently well-known actress at this point so, like, see her in a show like this, it's like, wow, did not see the one, this, could not have seen this one at all. Right. Yeah, similar with uh, Shibuya 15, uh, Yui Aragaki, who plays uh, Emma in that, in that show, like, she's huge. Like, she's a huge really? actress, she's a huge actress, but Shibuya, Shibuya 15 was one of, her, one of her very first roles. Mm-hmm. So, to wow, see her yeah. sort of, like, break out from the, like, that wasn't, that wasn't, that wasn't her breakout. 
but to right. see her you know get so big after that was mm-hmm. just it you you really sometimes you really get surprised by um who appears in some of these late night shows yeah i mean it's kind of similar to the you know morning to besides the shows where it's like kind of one of the earliest you know sh- projects for a lot of actors and then they become big and then it's like oh man they came they started in come writer and now they're doing freaking ruin kenshin movies and stuff like yeah. yeah and it's just like the cool thing about it is if you sit through the whole thing like i, I put it there in the the chat you you see them as monsters and then at the end they're basically like an even badder ass looking sentai team of suits they're in shogeki goraigon Mm-hmm. I forgot about that. Oh. Like, those suits are super badass. Yeah. But, like, that that's part of the narrative that it's a payoff that, okay, you stuck with the, the heroic monsters long enough, now we're going to make them look like heroes. Right. Yeah, sorry, listeners, you can't see our chat, but uh, look up Goraigon afterwards. Yeah, just a, a simple Google search will pull that up for you. But, yeah, uh... Basically, anything Amamiya does, it's got this very noticeable atmosphere to it where he clearly understands the genre, mm-hmm. but can still make it accessible to an audience that might not have thought that they would be into that initially. Mm-hmm. Right. How long was this show? This was like... Go right, there's only like 12 episodes. 13. 13? Okay. Uh, 13. Around that range. Around that range, yeah. So like typical. So like one, one, one core. core. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Gotcha, gotcha. That's a show that is, is kind of on my list that I, I kind of want to go back and like actually watch. I imagine if I went back and watched it now, I could sit through it. Yeah, like a lot, a lot of the late night stuff tends to being one or two core. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Yeah, so easy to watch ish. Yeah, which is cool. I mean, the, I feel like the only one here that has like a long running span is Garo. Well, it, just has multiple, it also has multiple seasons. Yeah, it has so well, many se- seasons now. First would be Garo. The second would be that we don't really get to talk about a lot, but but I love the opportunity to talk about it. Is the hero Yoshihiko? Yeah, it has like what three? Seasons? Yeah, that does have a lot three of three seasons. Shows, yeah. You you end up recognizing a lot of people that were on Yoshihiko show up and other stuff like just. Episode to episode, they have a lot of guest stars. Mm-hmm. Uh, but one of the main actors there who plays the character Donjo, he's currently the head of the organization, the older man in Trigger right now. Oh. Oh, you're right. Cool. Yeah. So, like, like I, I'm used to hearing him there in the, uh, you know, doing this very deep voice, like, he's the hero, Donjo. But then hearing him here, you know, talking about Toriga, I just keep hearing Donjo. <laughs> and it's just like I can't un I can't unhear you, man. You're just you were too good in that role. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and then the actress who plays uh Murasaki there in Yeah, she plays Kitashiro and Takusasa Gagaga, yeah. Exactly. Oh. Yeah. That, see, I, I said this when we covered uh Tokusatsu Gagaga on that podcast. I didn't know it was her until two episodes from the end of Tokusatsu Gagaga. And I was like, <laughs> you know, you look kind of familiar. I should look you up. Who are you? And then I realized, holy crap, you're Murasaki. I completely didn't recognize you. Yeah, no, I, would, I just started watching Yoshihiko this week. So in the first episode when Murasaki appears, I'm like, oh, shoot, I know you. Hold on a second. We did an, we did an episode of Gaga? 
Yeah, you guys yes. did. I'm just joking. I'm just kidding. <laughs> oh, come on. Now you're just playing. Now you're just playing. <laughs> you fooling. Do we have a we have a podcast? I didn't really know. <laughs> oh no. Uh, yeah, uh, Hiro y- y- Yoshihiko. Oh, the Japanese. What's the Japanese name? Ayusha Yoshihiko. Ayusha Yoshihiko. And yeah. every it, it's kind of like Harry Potter titling, where every season has a different subtitle. Yeah. So the Hiro Yoshihiko and the Demon King, or uh, I forget what the other two are. That that that's the first season. But this, but the show is uh, based off of Dragon Quest, right? Yes, it's a yeah. another uh, officially sanctioned, just like Akiba Ranger is to Super Sentai. Hiro Yoshihiko has the uh, blessing of uh, Square Enix to go ahead and use uh, character likenesses, uh, noises from the show. Uh, to go ahead and spread, because, you know, a lot of people don't recognize this over here in, like, uh, the United States, but Dragon Quest is so immensely huge in Japan. Oh, God, yeah. It's it's to the point where offices know that when a Dragon Quest game is coming, they have to tell their workers, hey, if you nobody ask off for Dragon Quest Day, we know what day it is. We know why you're not going to be in the office. We know you're going to be at your local... Uh, store trying to pick up your copy you can't do that we know what's up yeah, we get it yeah. but you can't ask off that day like like we had a point where two years ago dragon quest came out with its own um augmented reality walking game for mm-hmm. the for your phones like pokemon go yeah. dragon quest, yeah. dragon quest walk where you basically walk run around fighting monsters and training your party mm, yeah did you try it yeah i did i played it for about six months and then i Stopped, stopped walking as much because of work. So it wasn't worth it to continue. So it wasn't. So it wasn't that you got bored of the game. You just stopped walking. Yeah, I, did, I just got busy and couldn't. It wasn't really. I couldn't really keep playing. Yeah, I, I feel because like I mean, like if you're like because I was because uh I was taking a lot of the bus at the time. Yeah. To get to work, and if you move too fast, the, the app you know stops registering. You know, you walking. You can't fight you can't fight monsters because you're moving too fast. Uh, oh, it doesn't do okay. the Pokemon Go thing where it says, "Are you the passenger or are you the driver?" No, no, it doesn't. It doesn't ask, but if uh, but because you're moving because you're moving too quickly, um, it is, you know, it won't stop for you. Yeah, like it won't let you select anything on the screen if you're going too if like if you stop for too short of a time, mm-hmm. it won't it won't it won't register in time before you start moving again. Right. Okay. Got you. But I mean, it was it was fun when I for the time I played it was like because I have a I usually have a hard time playing RPGs. Yeah. But this is, this is something that I could like walk and you know play on the go, but you know stop doing that. Hmm. Okay. Uh, I have a couple of questions. Well. I, yes. Uh, yeah. One question. One. Um. The person who played the deity in that show isn't he like yes. a really famous comedian? Yes. Yeah, Jiro uh, Toto is very, very popular. Right. Or Jiro Sato. Sato, sorry, yeah. Yeah, Jiro Sato, anything he shows up in... Well, it, the thing to note about that series is uh, the director of the series, uh, Fukuda, he loves working with the same people over and over again on different series and uh, projects. So he constantly casts Jiro Sato... In whatever uh, series he's working on, like he'll find a role for him. Mm-hmm. Okay. 
like he was there in uh, in Densho Otoko. Uh, if I'm not oh. mistaken, he's he's Densho's boss. Oh, yeah. So, uh, I guess if you see and if you like what see more of Jiro Sato and other things, you yeah. know that his his mannerisms are very similar across the board. Yeah. Okay. Like, like that kind of like that like that like that, that fast paced. Sometimes with a with a stammer in there for certain roles. Right. It he he becomes very recognizable once you see once you see him enough times. Okay. Okay. Cool. Cool. Just to put it in context, uh, other stuff that that director specifically done that you may have at least heard of or seen. Funny that we're not covering that because it's not a series. Uh, Hentai Common. He directed that. Oh, uh, okay. The Gintama live action movie. Uh, the Psyche K live action movie, a bunch of other different series, uh, which have a lot of other common writer actors that show up in there. He, he casts, uh, Ryo Yoshizawa a lot now, since he's kind of gotten used to working with him, uh, right. in a lot of those. He's definitely one of those, uh, directors who likes directing these kind of later night, uh, different kind of humor, uh, mm-hmm. sometimes sci fi leaning kind of shows, mm-hmm. uh, but just, the 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 key thing throughout all of them is the humor. Uh, it can definitely be uh, very pointed to. Oh, this is very, this is a very Dragon Quest specific joke, and some of its stuff you'd see in like an episode of South Park or something like that. Like the one gift that gets around of Yoshihiko a lot that a lot of people pull and they don't even know what it's from is the guy who, uh, in, in season one or really most of the seasons, they have a cold opening. Which the four members of the party walking down a road to whatever their uh, their their quest is for the week, and they keep getting stopped by thieves along the road, which would be like an instance in an RPG. And one in particular is this guy who's threatening them: "Hey, give me all your money! I've got this poison blade!" And he licks the blade to show that it's poison. <laughs> and two seconds later, he's like, "Oh!" And then he just keels over keels and they over. keep walking. <laughs> <laughs> That's where that comes from. Oh man. Um, the other question I had was that uh, a lot of the shows that we're talking about now and, you know, that we will talk about, uh, they either have a transforming hero or they reference some kind of, you know, trope about it or something like that. Mm-hmm. Uh, what about Yoshihiko makes it a, tok- a late night tokusatsu rather than just a late night show? Uh, I've only seen tok- the first episode, so I don't know. In the purest sense, it's tokusatsu in that Part of the joke is that a lot of the basically what we're doing with that show is we're showing that it's a video game brought into a visual live action medium. So the fact that they're having to have people in suits uh, be these monsters, uh, but it's the joke is that half the humor of Yoshihiko is based in uh, Fukuda-san loves Monty Python. So you see all these really purposely cheap practical effects throughout the show uh okay. making it like you can obviously see oh that's a stuffed animal on a string that's attacking the party right now but that's the joke is, right yeah. you know you just got to deal with it plus on top of that uh there's a ton of different uh tokusatsu actors who show up in all three seasons uh there will be the occasional reference to them acting like a sentai or a writer joke here or there. Uh, one of the last episodes of season one has um, Yuki Sato, Kamen Rider Gatak, 
in the episode for a, mm. for an extended uh, not cameo, but he's the guest for that episode. Mm-hmm. Okay, but it it's incredibly funny. The more you play uh, games or you watch any of these other sh- uh, shows that we cover on the podcast, you'll recognize somebody, and it's just it's very accessible in the kind of humor it is. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah, that's that is the show that I've. It's. I mean, I think I remember the first season coming out, and I remember people loving it. And I watched the first episode or two, and I was like, this is really funny, but I've never played Dragon Quest. I was like, I don't know if I'm missing anything or not. So I never really got into it. Some of the more pointed Dragon Quest jokes, they really put in your face. uh, Okay. So that um, you're not really missing them. Okay. Like, uh, a case in point, in the beginning of the second season... There's a there's a mechanic there in Dragon Quest where if you die, you have to spend money to bring your party back from the dead. So the mm. second season opens with a total party wipe. So Yoshihiko doesn't have a lot of money to bring everybody back, so he can only afford to bring <laughs> them back, but without any of their stats from the first season. So they're <laughs> oh, all no. weak-ass characters, and they have to basically do everything all over again. Oh no! Man... that's brutal it's brutal but it's hella funny when it's like you can see them trying to use any number of abilities they would have had it's like i can't do it why can't i do it i couldn't afford it (laughs) (laughs) oh no and plus uh, specifically now that i'm remembering uh there's a running joke there with uh jiro satu who plays the buddha he guides them on their quests um, there's a running joke that the three members of the party besides Yoshihiko can look up into the sky and just see the Buddha talking to them, but for whatever reason, he can't. And so what'll happen is, I think in season one, what'll happen is... 3D glasses, the, yeah. Yeah, they give him 3D glasses so he can look up into the sky and see the Buddha like, oh, now with these 3D glasses on, now I can see them. But in season two, they they continue the joke, but instead of giving him 3D glasses, they give him Ultra 7's glasses oh my oh, god really? have an and eye? every time he puts them on they make the noise <laughs> no. that's awesome great. and then i think even jiro sato makes a point of saying what what, what are you doing are you are, are you trying to be ultra seven what are you, what are you doing <laughs> <laughs> and then yoshihiko's just there completely oblivious like what are you talking about he puts them back on and you hear the noise again he's like that you're doing that <laughs> i love the talking cheek references yeah, it, it's things like that all over the place in that series. Yeah. It's so funny, like, because, you know, I mean, this is kind of off topic, but the fact that how, I mean, it shows how much Ultraman is just a part, like, ingrained in Japanese oh, yeah. culture. That Especially Ultra 7. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But whenever someone, like, talks about, you know, transforming or, you know, henshin, they'll do the Ultraman pose. Like. Oh, the Spacium Beam? Yeah. Yeah, I, I, yeah, yeah, that because I watched uh, the Parahero Gundine. Gundine, yeah. Recently, mm-hmm. and yeah, when there's one point where a character is trying to figure out what the other person is talking about, it's like, wait, so did they transform? Did they actually do like he's like swatch and he does the the spacium beam like? Yeah, well, I mean, Takeshi Tsurano, who plays the dad, uh, he was an Ultraman. He was Ultraman, yeah. Yeah. But I mean, he wasn't the one, like, they weren't talking to him or he wasn't in the scene at all. But yeah, that does make sense. That he He's in the show, so you'd want to make a reference to it at some point. Um, 
but yeah, I, and that's a, uh, Yoshihiko is another show that's just, you know what? At some point, I'm I'm just gonna have to go through all these shows again, <laughs> or or just go through them for the first time. Yoshihiko is definitely one that's even more fun to watch with a group. Like if you've got mm-hmm. a small group of people with a similar, yeah. you know, sense of humor, you're just laughing your ass off. Especially if you get some of these nerdier references, like you've played. Not even necessarily Dragon Quest. If you've played RPGs before, mm-hmm. uh, or you know a bunch of other episodes, they make uh, references to ghost movies, to other pop culture. There's one episode in in specific where they're very blatantly interacting with characters from Final Fantasy, but they can't say Final Fantasy. <laughs> so they're they're like, wait, how come you guys are positioned on the screen differently than us? Why is that? Oh, uh, yeah. I think I know exactly the group of people that I want to watch this with right now. Yeah. Uh, or there's Man. one where they end up running into other video game characters, but again, it's a rights thing. So they've got the pixel blur, but there's very blatantly somebody dressed up as Mario and Luigi. <laughs> and they do that thing where some tokusatsu shows uh, do that, where they, they try to say part of the name, but they bl- they bleep some of it. Uh-huh. And it's like, hey, wait yeah. a minute, aren't you Mario bleep? <laughs> <laughs> Oh, dang it. You're really selling me on this. <laughs> it's a fun show, yes. I mean, I haven't, I still, I'm still not very far in it, but it, I'm enjoying it. Yeah. Um, I guess a similar show that's like kind of, well, not similar. Okay, that was a bad way to enter that. But <laughs> Kampai Senshi after five. After oh, yeah. Three, like After five. Yeah. After so, five, right? That's, right. Yeah. So, so uh, it's, a sen- it's a Sentai show. But it's focusing on the team after they finish fighting um, the monsters. So yeah. they're going. So they're so they're finishing with work, and they're going out to drink. So the after five is uh, so the V uh, is the room numeral five is a reference to um, after five p.m. the workday. Yeah, yeah. And five yeah. because there are five members in the team. That's great. And there's two seasons of that, right? Yeah, yes. two seasons of it. Um, the red is played by the guy who plays uh, Kamer Decades Kuga, Onodera Yusuke. And I think oh, in, blue, okay. in blue is played by Kato Kazuki, who played um, Drake. He was Kamen Rider Drake, Drake and Kabuto. V3 in the next. Oh, yes, right. I forgot he was in the, in the next. I forgot about oh, that. Oh, right. So, yeah, at least two of them are, you know, two class of veterans. They've, they've done this stuff before, so. Wait, so is um I for some reason I thought um one of the hurricanes, the, the the crimson one or something, I thought he was in there. Um or the what do you call it? One of the other the 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 go the go go riders. Yeah, I thought one of those those guys was in it, but maybe I was mistaken. Not that I can think of. But anyway, uh so you've seen the show? Uh, you've both seen the show, or yes, parts of it. Uh, it's it's funny in that I, again, a lot of the concepts of these shows are taking the base thing that you would know a show for, and then taking it to a logical conclusion. Like, say you watched Power Rangers, and then at some point you ask the question, you know, you know, we see them after they've defeated the the monster of the week and their Megazord, and, you know, they do the freeze frame power rangers, but what happens after they leave the command center? 
Like, what do they go and chill somewhere else and be like, <laughs> yeah. oh my god, what the hell was that? Like, do they could hang and be teenagers? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, can they just hang and be people? And that's what the core of the show is. Like, I think it's within the first two episodes of the series, uh, they poke direct fun at the concept of, hey, so, um, I don't know if you guys noticed this, but, uh, the monsters. They got a zipper on their back. And they're like, what? <laughs> what are you talking about? And it, it's, it's specifically uh, Kato Kazuki's character. He plays he plays the blue. He's he's yeah. playing into that trope of the cool blue. Yeah. You know, right. he's like, yeah, I've seen it before. You've seen what it looks like when the zipper's down? Yeah. What did it look like? He just pauses, takes a sip of his drink. And he's like, I can't even tell you. <laughs> <laughs> Uh yeah I I I mean it's one of those things where like I mean I think Gokaiju was kind of kind of did that sometimes where like they'd end something and then uh, Marvel's immediately says I want to eat some food like I'm hungry yeah and they go off to go get something to eat but you never see the, them have the meal kind of thing yeah or like uh I mean it's not it's you know MCU but you know the first Avengers like at the very end of the the last you know post yeah they go for Shorma yeah. Yeah, they go for shawarma. You just see them chilling and eating, and yeah, it's kind of like that. But you know, yeah, it's it's another one of those shows. But that that was a show that like I remember hearing the premise, like, oh, that's cool, but I don't know if I want to watch it. At the time, it just it was I wasn't in the mood for it. I think it's kind of a complimentary piece to Akiba Ranger, I would think. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Like they both do the same. They both do the same thing of. Parroting Sentai and the various tropes in the shows. Yeah. It's just that Akiba Ranger is a lot more specific in, okay, we're very specifically making fun of this shooting location, this director, this season, whereas After 5 is just making fun of the trope in general. Yeah. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So in that sense, uh, it's a little bit more accessible in that you don't have to have necessarily seen all of a particular uh, show or season to get the jokes. Yeah. I still don't know if I'd ever watch it, but it's a really it sounds like a really cool premise. Is it worth checking out? I think so. Okay. I would say at least the first season. Yeah. Okay. I mean I, I feel like it's one of those shows where you don't where you want like it's gonna be like it's one of those shows that you want like want to watch not all at once. Mm-hmm. Like space it out like when you're in the mood and you see something more like more lighthearted and comedic. Yeah. I think it's a very good, it's a very good, like, kind of, like, a mood-setting kind of show. Yeah. Okay. You can kind of use it as a, as a palate cleanser. Yeah. Yeah, after you watch something like, uh, Garo or <laughs> Lion Maruji or Amazon's, then you like, let me watch. Yeah, if you want to go from dark and gritty to just comedy. Yeah. After five. I guess, uh, I guess, uh, keeping on the, you know... Comedy train. Uh, we should probably talk about Akiba Ranger for a bit. Hmm. I mean, what can be said about Akiba Ranger that hasn't already <laughs> been said? Yeah, we've been we've been coming back to it a lot, right? <laughs> probably, yeah. Did we do a podcast on this? I'm yeah, sure. you did. I'm pretty sure you guys did. God bless it. I don't think I got to be on that one. I I have a hard time thinking that I was on that, considering I've only seen one season. I am a terrible host. I'm sorry. <laughs> Holy crap. That's what we're for. When you think about the list of what we're talking about with these late night shows, uh, with the 
comedic end, you've got uh, Shokeki Go Raigon, After Five, Yoshihiko, Akiba Ranger. I want to say Cutie Honey leaned more into comedy. It was definitely more... It was goofy. It was like goofy, but also kind of... I guess sexy, but not super erotic, I guess. Well, I mean, that kind of goes hand in hand with uh, what what Cutie Honey is, because that right there, that's a Gona Guy property, and Gona Guy has made his uh, his whole career off being horny on Maine. Like that's what he does. <laughs> yeah. So if you're if you're doing something that was Gona Guy created, uh, that part of things, uh, something erotic is just kind of at the heart of it. Right, right, right. By the way, we did not do an episode of Akiba Ranger. I am surprised. I am honestly surprised. So let's put that to the list of future podcasts, though. <laughs> yeah, at least I, could, I can't find it, so I don't think we did. I feel like I feel like Brody's talked about a lot about Akiba Ranger, but maybe I was thinking of a different show or a different podcast. To be fair, Brody talks about a lot of things, so... <laughs> <laughs> to be fair, Brody talks about things enough to be its own podcast cut out of a given episode. <laughs> Love you, Brody. Yeah, we just mess with him. <laughs> um, but yeah, that, this, I've, I've definitely seen the first season and I've seen part of the second season. And mm-hmm. yeah, that show is just, it's great. I don't know why I didn't finish the show, honestly. Well, that could be on the list of future things huh it's so many it should be watch. it should there be. are so many shows there's there are a lot of shows i've i, I don't rush them anymore it's too much yeah same i go i go basically on what's what i'm in the mood for rather than anything else but yes. yeah akiba ranger great show uh great parody i mean the fact that it's like they're transforming in like the mm-hmm. delusion world and all that stuff and it just oh delusion dimension what it was? Dimension, yeah. Dimension, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And those suits are pretty sweet. I oh, really yeah. I like those suits. Oh, yeah. Um, if you want to keep up, keep in the Toei department, we'd also talk about Comrade Amazons. Which goes in a completely different direction. Holy Amazons. crap. Uh, I, I wanted to like Amazons. I really did, but really? admittedly, I, I will say this. I like season two better than I like season one. I appreciate Man. Amazons for the things that I, I know I'm in the minority on that. I know that I'm in the minority. And like, I, don't, like, I don't know if I want to say I like it or not, but, like, but like, I definitely appreciated a lot of what it did for, um, you know, the kind of show it was trying to, it was, it was geared to be. Right. Like, like it's, it's one of those, yeah, your main characters are common writers, but they're not fighting for justice. They're fighting for survival. Yeah. Yeah, it's... it's, it's it's, it's so it's very dark in that sense and it's well it's very dark because of the color grading <laughs> <laughs> i mean also that but it's just like i can't look at i can't i mean i see them and i, I mean i like the designs but like i can't call them heroes just based on the no. story like they're not they're not heroes i never really expected i, I kind of went into that show just kind of blank i mean i knew that sure. it was going to be a darker show um I didn't know what to expect, so I just kind of went in, just just taking the show for what it is. And I, for me, I, I liked the <clears throat> the sort of 
the duality of you know motivation that they had in the first mm-hmm. season. I I it was it was pretty. By the end, it was pretty cut cut and dry. Like you know the motivation of the two main characters, mm-hmm. but. I don't know. I I liked the discovery. I liked the I liked the bit of the unraveling the story and the characters mm-hmm. and stuff, and also the action. I thought was great. No, for sure. I feel like season two kind of leaned more into what I was hoping for out of the action than season one did. But I, sure. I that's purely for me on a technical standpoint because I feel like a lot of what people are like, oh my god, it's so extreme, it's so bloody, it's like. It's hard when there's not a lot of actual physical blood there on the set, and a lot of it's CG. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and it's not yeah. integ- it's not integrated well into the shot at all. So it pulls the punch of really feeling the visceralness of the Amazons attacking, you know, the the guys trying to exterminate them or the writers themselves. Mm-hmm. Uh, I feel like that punch gets pulled because I can't lose myself in the illusion because you haven't given me a good enough illusion. Mm. Yeah. I feel like they were starting to work on that more in season two. So going off what Yes was saying about the hero, hero, uh, heroism, like I wasn't really expecting it either. It was, it was definitely something I noted just because, you know, I'm so used to the history of Kamen Rider, you know, fighting for justice, being the hero and stuff. So watching characters that, you know, we label as Kamen Riders, but, don't do the whole justice thing. I thought that just, it was something that just stood, stood out to me, even though I wasn't really expecting it. Mm. Uh, yeah. Um, I mean, for some reason, season two was interesting. I don't know. It was, I think it was better. Hmm. I don't know. I was, I've always been mixed on that, that season. Season two felt a lot more like an anime to me, and maybe that's why I liked it more. As far as I the guess, plot yeah. and the pacing goes. Maybe that's what I didn't like about it. <laughs> <laughs> you know, diff- uh, two people can look at the same piece of media and get no, two no. completely different takes on it. And it's like some some of these things uh, I really appreciated more about, you know, okay, paying a little bit more attention to the wire work and the action uh, which, which really I'm hard on a lot of tokusatsu for is wire work, and especially here in Amazon's when they're really trying to sell these hits, a mm-hmm. lot of the wire work was kind of sloppy in some some places in season one. Mm-hmm. I think for sure, I nobody can disagree on this really, or a lot of people wouldn't, is much like Garo, the suits in Amazon's. I yeah. love those suits. Oh, God, yeah. especially, especially Amazon Alpha. Like, just... All, like, all, all the scar marks on the suit, that the suit and stuff? Like, mm-hmm. ooh, this guy's been places. Like, to me, Alpha is, in my mind, if they had continued making the series of movies like The Next, if they had gotten to Amazon in yeah, that universe, yeah. Alpha is the way I would have wanted the suit to look, but with the proper colors of mm, original yeah. Amazon. I've Like, I've, I've been trying to hunt down an Alpha figure just so I can paint him original Amazon <laughs> colors. That would be dope. Yeah. Because that suit, that that's exactly what I was hoping for. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like that, hands down, that's my favorite suit in that show. That and the uh, the crow Amazon from season two. Hmm. Yeah. Oh, yeah. She's. Whew. I will say, like, the, uh, the, the action in uh, Comrade Amazons, especially season one, uh, 
the rider action was okay, but I always liked the strike the strike team or whatever the mm-hmm. team what the extermination team. Yeah. I liked their action more. I agree. I, I'm I'm with you on that. Cause like that was the first time I ever saw uh Kanon Miyahara. Miyahara. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And she oh, she's great. Awesome. So she's great. Like seeing her see seeing Toei bring her back for the uh Rear Soldier special during Super Sunday Movie Ranger, oh she she kicked a butt. It was great. Mm-hmm. Wait, what was she in? Uh Super Sunday Movie Ranger, the Rear Soldier special part of oh, that. Oh, okay. Yeah, right. she was she brought back as the one who um as the one who made the Minosaur for that for that uh show. Or that Okay. Part. Got you. Also, I think she was in Ultraman Z. I believe so. Hang on. So she was Alien Pit Fa. Yes. 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 Yep. Yep. I remember yeah. this now. Yeah. But no, she was she was great, and and I, and I I always it, it it became to a point where like I would watch the show just to see her fight scenes because mm-hmm. like she was the best one on the t- on the team. So. Uh, but yeah, I for me, I I remember really digging season one. Season two, I liked, but I feel like I liked season one a bit more. I liked, I liked the character dynamic between uh, the two main characters, basically. Mm-hmm. Um, and which I, I are they is this still on Amazon Prime? Like, it is no longer on there. They took it down, right? They took it down. I heard the licensing ran out or something. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, which sucks, but hopefully it pops up somewhere legally at some point soon. Because I, I think that's a as a that's a cool show to watch if after you've gotten like several Comrade seasons under your belt, you kind yeah, of yeah, you just want something different. super different, yeah. Yeah, exactly. You don't show that to someone as their first Comrade. <laughs> Rider. Yeah, that is not it is not an indicative show at all. God, no. no way. It's just like, <laughs> no way. I know I really shouldn't be holding it up to the same standards because it's an offshoot, but just like as a as a lead character, I couldn't stand Haruka. Okay. Like, he was just so wishy-washy about the position that he was in, and it's like, I, it's not like I haven't seen this kind of story before, so it was kind of like rehashing that old trope of the hero who doesn't want to do the reluctant hero, yeah. the reluctant hero, and like something about like nothing against his actor, you know, he's he's a good actor, but in that particular role, I just I wasn't having it. Hmm. Hmm. And I like I was able to deal with Jin more as a main character way easier in that he was like, okay, I was part of this experiment. I really realize how much I messed up. If I have to do unforgivable things to make up for it, I'm going to do it. Mm-hmm. So to me, his character was way more compelling. Sure. Now, this is an episode of the podcast that I definitely remember. Because I remember we had an argument about this for, like, Team Haruka, Team uh, Jin. Jin. Like, <laughs> I, think got, I think it got split, split down the middle. I I remember being on Haruka. I didn't side. get to jump in on that on that one. <laughs> So I'm gonna jump in now. I think it was me and Cooney were on were on Haruka's side, and I think Tom and whoever else was on the podcast, I can't remember, was on Jin's side. I could be wrong. Go listen to it to find <laughs> out. <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, that's, I I think it's a fun show. 
Hmm. It has its merits for sure. Um, okay, so one show that all these shows that we have listed that we're going to talk about, I know at least something about them mm-hmm. to some extent. Bio Planet Woo is the okay. one show I, found, I don't know anything I got, about. I got nothing. I got nothing on all that right, one. All right, I got I have this one then. All right, this cool. is one. This is one of Super Mario Productions' um, first dramas, actually. Okay. Uh, it was an NHK drama. Um, what year was it? I'm trying to remember. Uh, Bio Planet Woo like came four out. Four or five. Ten six. Ten six. Okay. Yeah. Um. So it was not so much late night, but like evening. But yeah. it was it was one of um, Super Mario Productions' uh, first shows. Outside of Ultraman, um, and it is le- it very much follows the whole Ultraman aesthetic of you know the Ultraman looking hero versus a giant monster, right? But it's much more of a much more of a drama than a Tokusatsu, if that makes any sense. Like more of the okay. more of the story yeah. more of the story was focused on you know this girl who is. Running away from the government because she found the alien and wants to keep it safe. Okay. But but then also like giant monsters keep attacking her, so Wu, the alien that she found, you know, grows giant to fight off the monster. Um. Wow. Yeah, I'm looking at it now. Like, yeah, this. I guess I just never really looked into it. Yeah, no, it's it's it is one of those things where it's it's a show that most people have not even heard of. Um, yeah, I mean, I've heard about it for a long time, but I, I think I always got confused with, confused with another show that came out around that time. I can't remember the name of it though, but I always thought it was more of a hero show than a or a human scale hero show than a Tsuburaya, you know, giant hero show. Yeah, it, it yeah, it's a, it's a Tsuburaya production, but um, gotcha. Yeah, definitely not in this. Definitely not in the same regard as any of their Ultraman series. Yeah. Yeah. So, but yeah, you have this. Um, junior high school girl, maybe early high school. It's been a while. Um, but yeah, she's she's on the run. She's on the run. Really? From who? Yeah, basically, basically the government, the you know, secret government agency wants to oh, shoot. wants to get the wants to get the alien from her, but she doesn't get what's going on, so she runs away from home and. You know, she can't even call home because they're they're tapping into the phone lines. Hmm. Yeah. That sounds about right. <laughs> <laughs> so it's, it's definitely on the darker end. But definitely on the more serious end of stories. Okay. Yeah. And that's another thing that, you know, that's very common in a lot of late night tokusatsu shows is that the stories are a lot darker and well, I, I hate saying the word darker because... Well, it's I mean, more serious, right? More serious, yeah. yeah. It's more of a serious take on things. Yeah, it's... You have... Like we, uh, we, like we mentioned with Gurgun Lady earlier, um, you know, it's very serious implications going with the characters as well. Yeah. Like, you're you're in this other dimension in this, you know, team battle, but if you die, you completely disappear. Like, yeah. no, like no one remembers you if you're, once you're if, once you're eliminated. Hmm. Right, man. Yeah. So like, like one of those like high stakes, kind of serious kind of shows. Yeah. 
going to put that on the list. The list is getting longer, man. <laughs> the only thing, only because I bothered looking it up right now to remember is uh, somebody pointed out that during the episode of SSSS Gridman, uh, when one of the characters is there talking to Akane at the bookstore, right. uh, they're, they're flipping through a copy of uh, Uchusen. Yeah, Bio Planet Wu is referenced in that one. Yep. Yeah, there, there's a Bio Planet Wu reference <laughs> there. So that's Tsubaraya doing that self-referential thing they love to do. Yeah, so right. I I definitely caught that, and I was very pleased when that when that episode of Greenman came out. <laughs> that's awesome. Man. Uh, should we talk about the other Tsubaraya show that's on this list? I'll what, Ultra 7, Ultra 7X, the super dark dystopian future? Ultraman? Dude, I I remember seeing a few episodes back in the day, and it'd be like, and I was, uh, I think I had wa- I had tried to watch that before the first show that I actually watched in full, which was Nexus, uh-huh. and because this had come out around the time where I got into Tokusatsu. Same, same. So I didn't know anything about Ultraman. And I was like, oh, there's this new sh- new show called Ultra Seven X. Let me try that out. <laughs> and I remember back then watching it, we're trying to watch it, and just like, I kind of just lost interest, um, for whatever reason, because it's just—it's hard to see. It, li- yeah, literally, it's hard to see. And I watched it. Uh, I watched the first episode a few days ago. Uh huh. One still hard to see. I think it's just whatever <laughs> copy I had. It just—it's just still really hard to see. Uh-huh. But also, it's just so early, like. Like late nineties, early two thousands, like aesthetic of like, you know, Matrix vibes, you know, uh-huh. still future, yeah. like yeah. this like the, the, the music kicks in and just it just feels like fake yeah. matrix kind of thing. <laughs> yeah. It was trying like it's it's that dark brooding, you're trying too hard to be cool. So hard. Yeah. Two thousand seven. I will say this, though, if there's one thing that has stuck with me from Ultra 7X all these years later is the theme of the show, uh, Another Day Comes by Pay Money to My Pain. That is still a banger to this day. I still listen to that song. Is it the, th- uh... it's the ending it's theme? The ending yeah. theme. Yeah. It's the main theme. Let's play that the credits. It's on, credits. it's on Spotify. Okay, that yeah, that that definitely took me back to the mid two thousands. Hearing that, like song. it, it sounds like what you would hear in between, like Trapped and Lincoln Park, <laughs> uh, with a little bit of Hoobastank thrown in there. It's that kind of vibe, <laughs> and the whole yeah. thing's in English. The whole song's in English. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And they play the bulk of the song there in the in the ending. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I think they play like in the insert like. Uh, between commercials or something like that, I can't remember. Yeah, um, that's also that's very common. I remember seeing because that was the first time I kind of saw Ultraman and seeing the suit for the first time. I was like, "That looks odd." I don't know why. <laughs> and then watching other Ultraman, like, okay, I, I you know once you get into Ultraman, you kind of get a feel for what they look like. And then I watched it again the other night. I was like, "Man, he looks like." Do you remember those figures uh, when Power Rangers in space was coming out and they had the Power Rangers figures that were super bulky and had all the... Uh-huh. Like, the Rob Leefield design. Yeah. It kind of feels like a, a slimmer version of that. 
every so often uh, there'll be somebody who's trying to get into Ultraman, and you know, initially because the the core design of an Ultraman hasn't changed all that much over the last you know fifty or so years. Mm-hmm. You know, you have a harder time telling them apart as opposed to like a Sentai or a Common Rider, and yeah. you might ask, okay, well, what's the difference between Ultra Seven and Ultra Seven X? And I would say Ultra Seven X didn't skip Chest Day. <laughs> That's the only difference. Well, I also didn't. I don't think they skipped Leg Day either because those like. Oh well, yeah, he didn't. Yeah, he did. Okay, he didn't skip. He didn't skip Gym Day. Let's put it that Pretty way. Pretty much, yeah. He went the whole, the full body all day. Yeah, Ultra Seven X is Ultra bulky in comparison. The the X in Ultra Seven X stands for P ninety X. Like he's there. He's working his quads. He's working every single muscle group because he's so extreme. He, but he's God. not really that extreme. He's just really brooding. Well, I mean, he's extreme by he's physically extreme by Ultraman standards. Yes. Yeah. You know, Sans well, Sans Titus. Um, I was about to say until we got to Titus. <laughs> yeah. But then Titus made it cool to have muscles and be goofy. Yeah. Well. Yep. True. True. Uh, I think that's that's gonna be probably because I've already kind of restarted, so that's gonna be the first one that I go through in this list of the ones that I haven't seen. Mm. Uh, just because I'm like, ah, this is a 13 episode show. It's not that long. So yeah, I'll get into that. And then probably have a palate cleanser with like Kampai Singe or something. I think the only one I would rewatch would be out of any of this group, like probably Shibuya 15 since it's, that's probably the one I haven't seen in the longest. Same. Um, if you're, I guess we didn't talk about it that much. If you want to watch Girl Gun Lady, it's probably the easiest to access because the whole thing is, is in English. Subtitles subbed on in English. YouTube. Yeah. Bandai yeah. World official. Yeah. Yeah. It's it's there. It's it's a thing. <laughs> uh. It's really, the way I would describe that one is it's Gantz, if you're familiar with that anime and manga. It's Gantz, but for girls. <laughs> but okay. not in the way you would hope. <laughs> okay. Because <laughs> it, it, the, the whole plot on that one, it revolves around a girl who goes to her high school. Uh, they start noticing people are missing from the class. She goes to a little mom-and-pop hobby store, buys this model gun and model figure of a looks like an anime mascot girl she goes to sleep that night and wakes up back in her high school with a couple of her other classmates but they're now paired off into groups of four in a battle royale uh three kills and you're eliminated you don't exist anymore yeah situation oh you die in the game you die in real life yes yeah gotcha one of those and um the, there's one of the actresses who's pretty decent in her role. She plays mostly the antagonist throughout the whole show. I think she's done some other uh, different Japanese movies and whatnot. Uh, but it's it tried. Uh, it's it's very much a commercial for the for the model kits that Bondi was selling. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, but the the ending felt very rushed. Okay. And it felt like they could have probably done with having another core to flesh out the story a little bit more. And uh, 
try and give themselves more times to sell these kits and maybe give them a little bit more motivation. I agree that it was rushed, but I don't know if another core would have helped that. I, I, maybe I not. Even... That, it might not have helped. Uh, I just know the show needed help. Yeah, no, I, I, I agree with you on that part. <laughs> I agree with you on that part. He needed some kind of help. You just didn't know what. You're not sure what kind of well, definitely for sure, the, the biggest failing that the show has is the choreography. Uh, there's not a lot of hand-to-hand fights. Uh, the, the one or two small hand-to-hand fights they do have in the show are probably the best in the whole show, but as a whole... There aren't many to, there aren't many to, to count to begin with. <laughs> on the whole, uh, even modern-day kids who have had exposure to television and movies and things like that pick up more from that or video games about the basics of how to use any sort of weapon than any of the characters in the show seem to have using these very small handguns that they use to fight each other. These uh, Bondi designed laser guns that work with (laughs) uh, action figures to shoot some kind of projectile. They, they wound like bullets, but they're more like lasers. Yeah. Huh. Anyway, you can you can watch for yourself. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Your mileage will vary, but I wouldn't I wouldn't put too much st- stock in it. <laughs> um, the kits are cool. His experiment. <laughs> I mean, I'll I'll check it out. I do kind of hope that some of the the actresses that did show a little bit of promise show up in other uh, of the main three or other any of these other franchises. Actually, um. Toei uh, announced um, like a streaming-only project where you have uh, Yodona's actress from Kira Major, uh, Lupin Yellow from Lupin Major vs. Pat Ranger, and the actress who played Bianca, I believe, from Grand Lady. Uh-huh. They're going to they're gonna be appearing together for a thing uh, pretty soon. Okay. Yeah. I, I just know there was one background actress from the show... She's only in maybe two episodes for maybe about 60 seconds in total. She was the one who showed up in these Saber spinoffs where she's, like, got a selfie stick and... Yes. Yeah, yeah I, remember, I remember you mentioning that before. Um, yeah, yeah. But that that's as much as I've seen of them getting out so far. But I would hope, you know, if you're trying to break into the genre, that you get other opportunities later on down the road. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Um, should we talk about Cutie Hunting the Life for a bit? Yeah, you guys go ahead. I haven't seen any of it, so it's telling you. Okay, so Cutie Honey the Live, uh, kind of like I mentioned before, it's a Gona Guy property, so it's absolutely horny on main. Uh, <laughs> it's not necessarily the most uh, endearing iteration of the Cutie Honey character compared to, uh, say, the Cutie Honey movie that came out several years before with uh, Eriko Sato. Uh, right, it's, yeah, yeah. it's got a completely different energy to it. Uh, it's got a lot of familiar faces in it, but for my money, it's not it's not one I would recommend. I know some people are really into it for the humor, and uh, the choreography is pretty decent in most episodes. Uh, I can't say it's one of my favorites. Yeah, I've, I've seen, like, I feel like I've seen like six or seven episodes of the show. And from what I remember, it was like, I was mostly going in it to watch the fight scenes. And I wasn't really that infested in the story. 
which at that point it's like if I'm not if I'm not interested in the story, then what's the point of the action? Yeah, I I would say even with it being what it is, comparatively speaking to any of the other things that we've mentioned here, it's the one that you would go in and even knowing what you know, you'd go in and feel this is still kind of weird. Yeah, there's a very weird vibe off it, which I'm not sure if that was the fault of the showrunners or what have you. Uh, definitely wouldn't fault the cast. The cast is doing their best. And they're acting their asses off trying to make it work. Right, uh, yeah, yeah, Like uh, Mark Musashi in there, Miki Hata, <laughs> uh, who plays Cutie Honey. A lot of people would recognize her from the uh, the Forze movies as uh, Inga Blink. Ah, yeah, yeah, yeah. Right, yeah, yeah, yeah. Which, to her credit, uh, and really a lot of the cast credit, much like I would say for Garo, the bulk of them elect to do their own stunts. Yeah. That's what made the fights interesting to watch in the show. Yeah, it's definitely a selling point. Yeah. But as far as like the story itself, it was kind of, eh, it's kind of there. I didn't really, it didn't really like connect with me. I mean, it was adapted from the anime of the same name, right? Yes, from the same series of the same name. Uh, Cutie Honey, which is, you know, one of Gona Guy's seminal works that he's, there's been a ton of iterations of it in anime form. Uh, really, I think that was, there was a more recent live-action Cutie Honey thing, but it went even more into the dark brooding, semi-reboot retelling direction. Like, it's almost unrecognizable. Mm, And that one came out, I want to say within the last five years. Oh, okay. But it's so, it's so, uh brooding darkened up like most people it wasn't on people's radars Mm -hmm. whereas this it's at least semi-recognizable as the thing it's supposed to be adapting yeah right um we talked a bit about lion maruji i think i don't know if we need to cover too much more of it it's a really weird wacky like very horny show (laughs) It's another one that's really, really horny. Yeah. Um, yeah. It's interesting for what it is, but I think with the way tastes and maybe even just the uh, the fandom in general has changed or maybe even uh, moved on, it's it might hit not as well as it would have when it first came out. It's definitely a product of its time. Yes. Yeah. That That's a yeah. better way of saying it. Yeah, I remember, I remember, yeah, even even back then, I remember watching the show, like, ooh, some yeah. of the humor is just kind of, oh, man, like, you're really pushing it here, <laughs> um, and not in a good way, so. There are those that might find uh, some of it a little bit tasteless, uh, which is some saying something compared to all these other ones that we're talking about, but it's, um, it's there. It exists. The, it is, out of these ones, it is probably the most crass. Out of all the um, that we talked about. Probably within everything we talked about, these last two, Cutie Honey and Lion Maruji, yeah, those yeah. are probably the two, I would say, lean the most in that direction. Mm-hmm. Yeah, 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 yeah. I will say the, the, the theme song for Lion Maru, I love it. Yeah, that's good. I like that. Kazeo, <laughs> Yeah, man, I love that song. Um... Yeah, is there anything else we want to uh, talk, uh, talk about? Like, 
I think we've given a lot for the listener, listeners to think about. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> there's a lot, and I'm, I'm, I'm trying to think if there's anything that we've missed as far as like shows. I'm sure we've missed something, but I mean, there's one or two minor things I would have mentioned, but it's not even that big of a deal. Right. Uh, the only other one I would have mentioned that even closely touches on any of this is the live-action Tokusatsu adaptation. Uh, it was a movie of Yatterman, right. uh, which came out. And that one, almost exactly midway through the movie, gets hella horny. And it's <laughs> really? really uncomfortable. Uh-huh. Like, I really? think I think it's a, it's a two-hour movie. I think it's right about the hour, hour four mark. Uh, their their robot dog has has a moment, and oh it's really really uncomfortable to watch. Wait, is this the one that came out around like two thousand and nine? Yeah, like that? yeah. Because I know it has um, what's his name? Sho Sakurai from Arashi. Yes, in it. yes, yes. That that's, that's interesting. The one. That he's in he's in a property that's like that. Well, again the. It's another one where there's a little bit of elements in that before, like the uh, the villain in that one, Duranjo, she's always meant to be a little bit sexualized uh, mm-hmm. from the inception of the character. And there's there there is that there in the movie, but it is by and far not the most uncomfortable scene compared to what I'm referencing. <laughs> okay. I've never actually seen it. Well, then. Uh, you, you might be better off. <laughs> yeah, I, I never, it never seemed interesting to me, so I never really checked it out. Directed by Takashi Miike. Wow. Yeah, it shows. Huh. <laughs> and it, it, but it's the thing to go back to is like, Miike does such odd work, but then every so often he'll do something that you don't expect, like the Like a Dragon, the Yakuza live-action movie, or the uh, Girls X Heroine series. Huh, right, right. Yeah. So uh, don't let it trip you up on those series, which are absolutely not at all like any of the series we've covered today <laughs> on the yeah. show. But uh, I would definitely say if you happen to somehow find a print of that Yatterman movie, just be warned. Um, <laughs> Miike has range. What does is, what is, what is it say that? <laughs> don't watch that one by yourself. Be in a room <laughs> with at least four or five other people that way you can all share in the moment where you'll know it when you see it. It involves the yeah. dog, and you're all at the same time going to go, ah! <laughs> uh, okay. And I'll leave it at that. <laughs> I was going to say, like, if we're talking about, well, I don't know if the, would would the Zebraman movies be in the similar category or no? Uh, not nearly as much. I mean, okay, so that that's another case of Mike. <laughs> doing a tokusatsu but zebra man i think is just more widely accessible since the yeah. core of the story is just a straight up tokusatsu story uh zebra yeah. man 2 attack on zebra city uh it's way more mike than the first one is it just gets kind of weird towards the end yeah i remember i remember there's a certain scene that i was just like you know the one i'm talking on about you know what yep. you know what i'm talking about yeah I I'm I I will say this just to show, uh, I'm I'm absolutely on board with the message of that scene, <laughs> the very blatant <laughs> message. Uh, but aside from that, I don't get it. <laughs> yeah, same. God, that was so weird. 
I just, I was like, oh, Masahiro Inoue's in this. I just finished watching Decade. I already watched the original movie. This is going to be great. Two hours later. What, what did I just watch? Yeah. Boy, yeah. Um, Another case where the music video from that movie was better than the movie itself. Yep, yep, <laughs> yep, yep. For sure. Um, I guess before we go, um, out of the ones that we've talked about, if you had to recommend one for people to watch, uh, what would it be? Uh, definitely out of them, if I could pick top three, uh, like I always am on about, definitely Garo, mm. uh, Hiro Yoshihiko, and if I had to pick a third one, it would probably be uh, probably be Akiba Ranger. Yeah. Yeah, I'm definitely on board with Garo and Yoshihiko. Um, I think my third would actually be Shibuya 15, just because it's very early and very different direction from a lot of these other shows. Yeah. It's just, it's just, I, so I, mean, I think I'll just throw it out there for like the stark contrast. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm in a similar boat. I'd probably, yeah, Garo, Akiba Ranger, Shibuya 15, those would probably be the ones that I'd recommend. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, uh, that's another episode of Tokenet Podcast. Uh, Yay. Until next time. You say yay or you say lame? Yay. <laughs> no, no, no. It, not for this episode. It's not yay. It's nice. <laughs> nice. <laughs> All right, guys. Until next time. Yeah, we'll thanks, see you yes. on the next episode of the talk. Yeah, thank you guys for for being on the podcast. Uh, thank fun. you for having us. Yeah. Uh, so until next time, uh, we'll see you in the next episode of the Tokenet Podcast. Good night, everybody. Nice. The Tokunet Podcast is the official podcast of the Tokusatsu Network, your best resource for official tokusatsu news and media. If you like our podcast, please rate and review us on your favorite podcasting platforms such as iTunes or Stitcher. You can also support us on Patreon at patreon.com forward slash the tokunet, where if you're at the writer tier level or higher, you can get early access to episodes and more. Team Tokunet will always be online on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, YouTube, and of course our website, tokusatsunetwork.com. <laughs>